What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our last podcast of the year, we're going back to the source, where it all started and how it's going now with CNBC's Beijing bureau chief, Yunus Yun. There's still a lot of controversy, as you can imagine, over the origins of the virus and what exactly happened in Wuhan. And looking ahead to 2021, what Americans can expect in Georgia with Axios co-founder Mike Allen. Here's why it's such a big deal. If Democrats win here, they now have the trifecta. They control the White House, they control the House, they control the Senate. Plus some news in the podcasting biz, the most impressive hedge fund returns of the year, and some celebrations around the world. This is like Christmas music on July 4th. It's finally December 31st, 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kerna, and Andrew is out today. Happy New Year, everybody. New Zealanders are some of the very first residents on Earth. They get to say good riddance to 2020, and they are doing it right with fireworks. You're in Times Square, Joe. What's it look like there? Oh, it's raining. It's raining, and it's all blocked off. <laughs> and it's totally empty. <laughs> and I got, to walk, I got to walk down in the rain. I, you know, I, you know. We, we pulled up and, the, you know, the, the policemen were there, New York's finest, and um, I said, don't you know who I am? And they said, you have to walk in the rain. I said, okay. You know, I, 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 I was told <laughs> by people here that they were waiting for me. I think they're, like it's an April Fool's thing, that they would open up the, uh, the barricade and they, they would drop me off down here. But... They laughed so hard at that. They yeah, said, right. uh, yeah, that, 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 that's not how. You know, it is cool, though, Becky. You know what's cool? We're on this orb. What? And I'm trying to, I always try to feel that, that we actually are, do have meaning and, and importance. And, but, but I do realize we're in this vast universe in this orb. And because of the way it's spinning, it, you have New Year's come you know, sequentially to people, depending on where the hell you live. And I just, I, every year I think that's kind of cool. I know it's obvious, everybody understands it, but it is New Year's now in, uh, in New Zealand. So, uh, and, and the way the, the drain goes, the, the way the drain goes down there yeah. also, uh, you know, the magnetic field of the is earth. Is that true? Is that, is that for real? I don't know is if that's true. I, I, is that real? I saw it on the Simpsons, so I think it must be. A year ago, a 34-year-old ophthalmologist from Wuhan, China, posted a message in his WeChat group, alerting fellow doctors that a new disease had emerged in his hospital. A year later, the pandemic rages on. Yunus Yun joins us now from Beijing. Been a while, Yunus. How you doing? Hey, Joe. Uh, we're doing relatively okay here. Uh, the pandemic, as you mentioned, has been raging on overseas, but here in China, things are relatively back to normal. Um, I'm here at a restaurant, sports bar, uh, which um, I spoke to the owner and he said that uh, a year, back in January, he could have actually thrown a baseball 
through this restaurant because it was so empty. Today, he said that uh, seating capacity is at about 50%. It's looking actually quite full. Now, um, you mentioned that, that ophthalmologist. Uh, the ophthalmologist's name was Li Wen Liang. He's very famous here now because he was the one who had alerted other doctors in a WeChat group of a mystery virus that had emerged in his hospital. He later was silenced by the police. He then uh, caught the, the virus himself, and then he eventually died. And of course, that virus is the one that is now known as COVID-19. The economy, though, and businesses generally have been much, much better since the beginning of the year. Um, the economy is on track to uh, post, post some of the strongest growth compared to a lot of other major economies in 2021 of about 8%. Uh, but still, life is not totally back to normal. And I can tell you that because uh, just uh, today I found out that my New Year's Eve plans have been canceled. And uh, um, a lot of that is because we keep getting these mini outbreaks here in Beijing. So we have 20 reported cases and 1.2 million people have been tested in the city. And then on top of that, uh, there's still a lot of controversy, as you can imagine, over the origins of the virus and what exactly happened in Wuhan. So uh, yesterday, the Chinese CDC had uh, said that the um, antibody prevalence rate uh, for Wuhan was 4.43%. And so some experts were looking into the, that figure and saying that that suggests that in Wuhan, about half a million people which is about 10 times more than the reported cases um, had the infection or were exposed to COVID. So that's raised a lot of questions here. And then uh, this week, another story that, that um, shook people was that a local journalist was sentenced to four years um, of prison time because of her reporting in Wuhan. So um, obviously the authorities here don't want the, um, those types of reports to be conflicting with the narrative that uh, they want to, to continue to, to perpetuate uh, both here in China as well as overseas. And there's a lot of, of narratives that, that, that have been uh, not necessarily uh, completely honest about how the whole thing played out. And, and I don't want us to get turned off in, in China right now. I mean, maybe we already are. Uh, that happens a lot, uh, Eunice. But if you recall, so that was in, that was in December. Then in January in Davos, uh, that happened to coincide with the very first case of the virus uh, appearing in Washington state, I think, in the United States. So it was like the 21st or something, and, I, and I, we had an interview with President Trump, and I asked him about that first uh, case appearing in Washington and, and whether we were prepared for it, and he said, we're totally prepared. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China and we have it under control, it's uh, gonna be just fine. Everyone says he was lying, but the day before, Eunice, there was a CCP mm -hmm. uh, acknowledgement that perhaps they were wrong that there was no human-to-human -human transmission. So the very day before, the most you got out of the CCP was that it's possible there could be human-to-human -human transmission. So the way that it played out, you know, the, the, the hindsight that we hear now is, is so 2020 with, and you might recall one person, I think it was Paul Tudor Jones in Davos, warned about this being a real potential problem for the, for the markets and for the world, uh, Eunice. But in the midst of all the yeah, optimism, in right. the midst of all the optimism about 2020 uh, that we saw, which is typical of that 
that place, uh, Davos. Uh, you know, the wrong. They're 180 degrees wrong every year. Uh, all the all the elitists that, that go there, um, but but they, they've never been more wrong uh, than this time about how great things were going to be in 2020. Look what look what, what look what transpired. Unbelievable. Well, January 20th, as you mentioned, was a really important date here because that was when the uh, Chinese expert. Um, uh, Zhong Nanshan, who's kind of like China's Dr. Fauci, had actually acknowledged that there was human-to-human -human transmission right. of this virus. And uh, as you said, I mean, up until then, we had heard privately, you start to seeing reports about these videos coming out of Wuhan, people talking about this mystery virus that's, that's going around, you know, in, in late December and then in the first couple weeks of January, we were hearing that uh, we were hearing that this virus had emerged and there were a lot of conflicting reports about the human-to-human -human transmission because officially the authorities were saying this is preventable and controllable. And then unofficially we would hear from doctors and hospitals and medical workers just saying actually they've seen that this is, there's been a lot of human-to-human -human transmission. So, right. um, so that date of January 20th was really important because finally yep. we had acknowledgement and then of course just a couple days later the whole place shut down. I mean, tens of right. millions of people were under quarantine, right. if you remember. Right. I know. I don't know. It's all political. It got pretty ugly over here in terms of, you know, at one point people are saying, go to Chinatown, it's fine. Next point they're saying, yeah, I was warning months. It, it, it got really ugly. Anyway, Eunice Yoon, thank you. Wake up, Leslie. We're coming to you. There you are. How you doing, Leslie? Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Certain hedge funds were able to put up. I'm just talking uh, to my husband. Oh, I'm is, saying is don't, there? don't come over. He, is he? Uh, he's right <laughs> over here, yeah. What, what, he's I, he's I making heard, a bottle, and I'm like... He's what? <laughs> a bottle of what? Uh, uh, he's I, making like, a bottle for the baby. Oh, okay. See, I'm beyond that. I'm beyond that. I was thinking, okay, uh, let's not, let's You're not even go You're thinking a bottle of beer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Certain, it's New Year's Eve. It's you New know Year's what? Eve. Start early. Somewhere it's New Year's Day, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, let's go. Uh, anyway, certain hedge funds were able to put up impressive returns <laughs> in the midst of all this volatility. Uh, Leslie Picker joins us now with some defining attributes of those funds. Um, I, know, I know where you're going uh, with some of this, Leslie. Um, anyway, tell yeah. us about it. Yeah, well, maybe. Well, I know one guy who did really well, and uh, I don't know, I have my own feelings about how that happened, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, those that did put up some of the best returns this year tended to be uh, equities focused with a human at the helm rather than an algorithm and were oftentimes smaller in size. Interestingly, stock pickers certainly had a comeback year, according to HFR funds that focus on energy, healthcare, and technology stocks are on pace to actually beat the S&P 500 in 2020. Funds like Tiger Global, Light Street, KOTU, D1, and Dragoneer have been some, some of the standouts. When Combining all of the strategies together, smaller funds did better because on a fund-weighted basis, the average return for the industry is about 7%, but on an asset-weighted basis, it's negative 1.7%. That's thanks in part to some larger quant-oriented funds that are in the red this year. Think of names like Renaissance and Winton. Still, this could be considered a comeback year for hedge funds in general because most strategies did actually outperform in February and March when markets became spooked by the pandemic-induced shutdowns. That bolstered the industry's case that it really can help investors protect their downside. Guys. Yes. The, uh, sometimes I wonder about the human involvement. Uh, 
is it positive? I, I, I mean, you, even on a plane, right? Even on a jet, they fly themselves, but I like having two <laughs> pilots, maybe four pilots, depending on the size of the jet. Um, the AI is not, it still hasn't reached humans. Humans are still able to do so much better than computers, right? Uh, what changed? Well, this year they were, interestingly, and part of that has to do with the fact that the way that these algorithms are oftentimes oftentimes constructed is they take a regression of what a market has done historically and then they apply that to the various asset classes based on you know what could happen today and that's kind of how they model these specific algorithms to trade on uh, you know today's current markets well in 2020 you have a once in a century pandemic it's very difficult to model out how that how the markets would function in a pandemic since the 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 base case is 1918. You know, we didn't have the internet in 1918. The, the algorithms didn't know to, to plow their money into technology stocks uh, because there was no historical analysis by which to really, um, you know, benchmark from. So that's one of the main reasons why the computers had such a difficult time trading in this this year. Uh, whereas the human stock pickers were able to take a step back and say, okay, well, you know, people are going to be working from home. They're going to be using cloud. They're going to be using the internet. They're going to be using Zoom. And they were able to invest kind of more based on their gut and fundamental analysis of what was currently going on on the ground. All right, Leslie, thanks. You, you need a cup of coffee or something or some toast? Where is he? Is he still? Uh... I've got oh, it. Oh, you already got it. You already <laughs> got it. He's uh, hiding he's in the kitchen over here. He's there to yeah. serve. He is there to serve. Amazon said it has agreed to acquire podcast producer Wondering. That purchase price wasn't disclosed, but the Wall Street Journal reports that it was about $300 million. Wondery's known for its gritty, narrative-driven podcasts that apply cinematic sound design to nonfiction stories. Amazon said that the podcast will continue to be available for listeners on a variety of platforms for free after the deal closes. This is a great time to mention that we do have our own podcast. Of course, you can listen to the Squawk Pod every weekday morning on your favorite podcast app, Joe, we had a fun one last week that we got to do, taking a look at 2021 predictions. I don't like those. You know, there's, there's people that like to do it just to say outlandish stuff, you know what I mean? And they say this crazy stuff, and it, none of it ever comes true. And they say, well, you know, it's supposed to be outlandish. But if you're doing it seriously, you're, you're bound to really have egg on your face for, it's like, believe me, I know from, from DraftKings, if you're 51%, you're like the greatest person when? ever. Yeah, you're like the greatest person. So, you know, that's how I felt about it. And you know how you got to do it. You got to listen to the sell side guys on Wall Street if you want to make predictions because they've got it down. They all, I, think they go to a, I think they go to a sell side school where this is how you might be able to keep your job uh, by never really saying anything, but by sort of pretending that you're, you're making prognostications, but always leaving yourself a, uh, uh, a way out for how you say it, right? You wouldn't make, I mean, what, what, making okay, easier, market could be easier for our bookers. Do you know if I the see. market's going to be up or down next year? Would you bet your life on either one of those things for, for the year after the year we've had? I wouldn't. No, I, I wouldn't I, bet my life on anything. On this last day of 2020, here's how far that we've come back from the March 23rd lows. The Dow has gained 67%. Uh, the S&P is up 70%. The NASDAQ up 94%. The NASDAQ is on pace for its best years. Uh, since 2009, uh, but if it has a decent gain a day, it could post its best year since 2003. I never got my tacos 
Uh, I didn't get as much as a, as a tortilla chip, as a nacho. I didn't, get a, I didn't get a little hot sauce packet. I got nothing, and we're up 67%. But I'm, I'm fine. I'm okay. Was this the bet with Austin Goolsby? Who are you complaining about? No, 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 no. I, let's not get into it. I, I wasn't complaining about anything. I, I just, I've said again and again, I said it on, on our podcast. We, we try to do our best at sometimes, you know, if we're not a general news organization, and COVID has been no. terrible, but there, the, you know, there are times in financial markets, and sometimes a family's financial future is it's not as important as health, obviously, but it makes a big difference. And I, I just think it made sense to take a calm, reasoned approach that, that look beyond the headlines that you're seeing day in and day out. And you know, when, when it's very difficult you know, in other areas, there are times where you need to keep your head. And I hope a lot of people were watching and stayed long or bought. And I know that, you know, yeah. people say, oh, great, you're happy the market's up. And there's, there's all these people who have lost their lives. And I know that's true and it's tragic. Uh, but it also matters to people that for their family and for the financial future, um, that, you know, that I hope that, that they all didn't get shaken out of the market by the panic uh, at the lows. That's my only point. Yeah, this was certainly certainly a year to have stayed in. You could Again, have been you look at the in NASDAQ cash. Almost doubling from its lows. You, you could have been in cash yeah. and never gotten well, back if in. Well, you sold at the lows and put it in cash and not gotten back and, in. And that's and the, is there a big difference between losing all your money or losing the opportunity to have a gain of 70%? It's the same money that you don't have when it's all said and done. So people worry about the risk in the stock market because it can go to zero and you can lose all your money. That's horrible. But what about if you completely miss out on, on that, you know, the rebound in the markets from those, those horrific lows? So you know, that's what we try to do. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's hard and sometimes it, it seems callous because you're not just, you know, updating the death toll every day. You're actually talking about whether the, the economy or the markets are eventually going to, to look past this. But it, sometimes, you know, that's what we're here to do, to try to help people with, you know, for their families and their financial future. And that's what we did. Anyway, um, another anyway. That's going to be my New Year's resolution. What word could I use instead of anyway? Everyone else uses so when they start talking. I, I don't know. You know what is driving me nuts? I, I, I use it, and I've heard a lot of other people in our area use it a lot. All right. All right. Oh, well, yeah, sure. All that right, drives yeah. me nuts, and I say and, it. Okay. <laughs> well, we try. We try. Okay, we moving can, on. You can check out that very special Squawk Pod episode with Becky, Joe, and all their predictions and reflections on your feed. It was last Thursday, Christmas Eve. Okay, anyway, meanwhile, next on Squawk Pod, what's really going on in Georgia's runoffs with Axios co-founder Mike Allen. There is a big strain of thought among Republicans that President Trump is sabotaging this race. He's done so much to be unhelpful to those candidates. We'll be right back. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. 
This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Becky. The biggest political story of the new year, Georgia's Senate runoff elections, are coming up on Tuesday with the Republicans and Democrats fighting for control of the upper house of Congress. The outcome could affect most of the items on President-elect Biden's economic wish list. Joining us right now is Mike Allen, Axios' co-founder. And Mike, you've got a tricky job today. I don't know that anyone knows exactly how this is going to go down, but what's your best guess based on everything you're hearing and everything you've seen? Uh, well, Becky, happy New Year's Eve on the doorstep of 21. Uh, so great to talk to you. And in Georgia, people just are not sure, but I can tell you one thing that's true. Every hour that goes by, Republicans get more worried, more pessimistic. So Republicans felt pretty good about Georgia because in this off, off, off election, like you have to be really uh, plugged in to want to uh, vote ahead or vote on January 5th, not even uh, an off-year election. And in that, where the tribalism takes over, Georgia, despite the President-elect Biden winning there, is still pretty red. So Republicans said, like, uh, in the end, this can be fine. They're no longer sure it's fine. And a lot of that has to do with the president. Becky, there is a big strain of thought among Republicans that President Trump is sabotaging this race. He's done so much to be unhelpful to those candidates. He's done so much to be not helpful that I talk to Republicans and they look at what's happening and they say, you know, he must be thinking, well, if I want to send the message, if I'm not on the ballot, Republicans are in trouble. And interestingly enough, uh, Rahm Emanuel, the former White House chief of staff and Chicago mayor, he floated that theory a long time, that a uh, long time ago, that uh that President Trump wants Republicans to lose. And that sure is how it looks more all the time. Just in terms of anybody feeling confident or, or optimistic about this, you know, we had NBC reporting earlier this week that, that Chuck Schumer wasn't feeling incredibly confident about it either and didn't want to tap big donors for more money to go into that race. I, I mean, the amount of money that's already been spent there is, is, is astronomical. But no, uh, nobody yeah, feels uh, like this is a sure thing, right? No, that's a great point. And that's based on that tribalism that on paper, you would say the Republicans are the favorite, at least Republican will win, which is what they need uh, to keep a Senate majority leader, uh, Mitch McConnell. You're right uh, that that uh, move with the Democratic donors is telling. But that's the uncertainty. And Republicans look at it and they say, like every day, President Trump is saying something that either puts those candidates on the spot or make some of those like suburban women, women voters uh, that we need. I think on CNBC the other day, I heard them uh, referred to as Lululemon uh, voters, uh, voters who were maybe queasy about Trump anyway, but are Republicans in their bones. Like every day he gives them a reason either not to come out or to uh, uh, decide uh, to go uh, the other way. Interestingly enough, the president uh, coming back to D.C., a day early. Um, and Becky, what's interesting about that is the president's going to avoid like all those co awkward conversations tonight at the massive Mar-a-Lago uh, New Year's Eve party. You guys have seen uh, how big that party is. And do you congratulate him? Do you offer condolences? What do you say? And he likes to be a winner. And those are his people. Very fascinating that he is avoiding those uh, conversations. 
Mike, how much actually is riding on this Senate race? Do you really think that there's going to be a, a huge amount of difference? Because the market hasn't really budged. So it either thinks that the Republicans are going to take that or it thinks that it's not a big deal even if they lose it. What do you think? Yeah, you're right. Here's why it's such a big deal is that if Democrats win here, they now have the trifecta. They control the White House, they control the House, uh, they control the Senate. Now, those margins are so narrow in the House, much narrower than anybody thought, so much so that the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, used a uh, very familiar to Squawk uh, guess, uh, predicted to me in an interview for Axios and HBO that he will be speaker in 2023, that they'll flip the House in 2022. You're increasing optimism among Republicans about that. So like that's how narrow that margin is. And of course, like one senator can always cause trouble or uh, have an effect be felt. Now, when you have uh, maybe a one, two vote margin, it is. So all of that can, will constrain Joe Biden, like the, the big, big agenda that he dreamed of just a couple of months ago, uh, that's all much more narrow. But when you control the trifecta, you can do a lot more. It matters for sure. Mike, um, did you just launch the 2022 election uh, coverage? I mean, did I just, uh, I think maybe you did. Uh, it, it, uh, Monday is too late to get started. Axios has a tip sheet for 2028. Like, <laughs> like we're always ahead. I mean, this is like Christmas music on uh, on July 4th, um, I, I think. But, I, you know, it's not we, that's what we do. That is what we do. And it, it, well, it will be. And, and, and here's the point. Here's the why it matters is that's what they do. That's how all these leaders are thinking. That's how they're playing their cards. Like Senator Josh well, Hawley, Burry, you can bet his yeah. calendar is right. on 2024. So we're channeling that. That's why the House is such a great place, because you get elected and, and you don't do any governing. You start working on reelection the next day. That's why, you know, that's why we're in this soup. Well, they sure right? for sure, you for know, sure. Mike, uh, I know what to get you, I think. Uh, I didn't get you a gift this year. I'm sorry. But a pair of Lululemon pants. You got the wrong idea about Lululemons. My family, I'm a, I, am I a Lululemon voter? No, but I got Lululemons on. I'm going to send you a pair. You don't own a pair? That is an overshare, if ever I've heard one. I think there's a reason that they shoot us uh, from the sternum uh, up. Uh, by the way, Joe, I retweeted. I retweeted you. I did. I saw. Not wearing yoga pants. I'm not wearing yoga pants. They look like they feel like jeans, and they got a zipper that holds your wallet in. What you thought I was wearing yoga pants? Too much information. I, however, am wearing yoga pants. You were the first retweet of that. Wasn't that funny? I just saw it was funny about taking a nap. You know, I'd like to be congrat. I'd like to. Were they proud of me for taking a long? I just saw it was funny. Was that not funny? Uh, and, job, and you understand Joe. what I'm saying, because I always feel guilty. It's like, oh, no, I'm falling asleep. You know, and people look at you like, oh, boy, falling asleep. It's like I want them to say, that's great, Joe. You said that you had a long nap, but they don't. Anyway, thank you for You retweeted it immediately. That's when I knew it was going to be a winner. It's got like 2000 likes. Lululemon, Lululemon Mike. Thanks. Squawk Pod will be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. That's the show for today. Thank you for listening today and for sticking with us the rest of the year. Happy New Year. We'll see you next year. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin, weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here in 2021. Cheers. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.